All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us once again. Now, we're going to go off script tonight. All right, we're going to go off script. We're going to take a pause from the Grace series, and we're going to dig into something that Timothy, that Paul identified to Timothy as doctrines of devils. All right, doctrines of devils, what are they? So as we know, there are a lot of things, a lot of teaching, a lot of things going on, a lot of things that are being promoted in our world today. So I want us to kind of look at this and, and, and see what the Apostle Paul is, is talking about here. All right. So let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 1 through one through five. 1 Timothy chapter four, verses one through five. And let's look at this in the, we'll look at it in the King James, and then I'm going to look at it in the Amplified. All right. So it reads like this. Now, the spirits speak of expressly that in the latter time, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God have created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Now we see the Apostle Paul talking to his spiritual sons, Timothy here, that in the latter days, some shall depart from the faith. He says, giving heed to seducing spirits in doctrines of devils. Now, when we look at that word doctrine, basically what we're talking about is teachings. Right. Teachings. Teachings, instruction of devils. Okay. So now when you, you hear that, right, what jumps to mind? What comes to mind when you hear that word doctrines of devils? Um, I don't know, you, you know, you hear Dr. Devil, you mostly think of some type of satanic, you know, stuff we see on the, these horror movies or what you call it, Ouija board. Okay. Like voodoo dolls. I mean, normally you're talking about, we talking about your mind go to stuff like that. Okay. All right. So like witchcraft. Right. All right. These types of things. Okay. All right. Now, we keep reading. We see a semicolon here. Mm -hmm. Right. So Paul is going to expound on 
what these doctrines specifically are. Right? It says, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And then we're looking at verse 3. Right? This first one in the King James says, forbidding to marry. Forbidding to marry. Now, when we look at that, off, off the top, forbidding to marry. Does it seem like it, it should be categorized as a doctrine of devils? Forbidding to marry? Sounds kind of strong. It does sound strong. However, I think that, um, you know, Satan is very cunning and deceiving. So, you know, meaning that, you know, I've heard many ministers, you know, give sermons or lectures on how, you know, he ain't going to jump out at you with a red devil suit and a pitchfork, you know, because you know it's him, you know. But basically anything contrary to the word of God, if it's being taught, um, and I guess that doctrine means Basically, it's kind of an absolute teaching, like this is the way it is, a doctrine. If it's being taught, I would foresee that as being a doctrine of Satan because he's it's not jumping right out at you, but it's just saying, you know, forbidding to marry. So you can, quote unquote, focus on the Lord and your relationship with him. Well, that sounds good, but that could be a tremendous stumbling block for a young man or woman with physical desires. And that could manifest at the same time and they're trying to abstain from being married. And I, when I look at it, because I had this conversation um a couple of weeks ago with a co-worker and from a culture when we look at our culture culture says there's nothing wrong with because that one of the conversation I had a couple of weeks ago was well you know what you don't need a piece of paper to say you love somebody mm-hmm. so what's wrong with that you know hey you don't need that hey you love somebody love somebody Hey, you know, so go ahead, do what you're going to do as long as you love that person, as long as y'all are committed and whatever the case may be, then, you know, you can forego the ritual, the marriage, and sign the marriage license, and things of that nature. So culture says, hey, it's no big thing. You know, you know, somebody who love is love. Forget all the paperwork. You don't need that. As long as you show your commitment to that person, then it's good. And so from a culture point of view, it seems harsh to say, you know mm-hmm. what, you have to do it the Bible way. The Bible says, you know, fully married and go through the ceremony, you know, and legally do it. So they like, hey, and that's no big deal. Why would God frown on that? Mm-hmm. As long as you are committed to that person, why would he frown on it? 
Okay. All right. So what I'm hearing is definitely something that, you know, people are, are wrestling with and they're like, okay, what is, you know, what is the point of going down to the courthouse and getting my name on a piece of paper with this individual, right? Why can't we just be together? Right. Right. Okay. Right. Now, let me ask you this. All right. The young man comes to you and say, well, well, you know what? I, you know what, Kevin, Eric, I understand what y'all saying, but, you know, if this thing don't work out, I don't want her taking half of my stuff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't work hard to get this house, this car, to set this stuff aside and savings. I mean, I, you know, I got too much to lose, man. How do y'all respond to that? Well, I mean, that, that type of thought, like, it's, it's born out of fear. Now you're fearful. So now it's that type of thought. Okay, it's fearful. You know, I got this stuff and I've accumulated. And so what if things are So now you are acting out of fear or not acting out of fear that, hey, I don't want nobody to take my stuff or half of my stuff that I've worked so hard to give me. So I would just say, well, that's you. You're now in fear because you don't believe what the word of God says. So now it's, it's fear that's that you're being motivated by, not the promise that God made. Okay. And 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 even if a person is functioning or operating in that kind of fear and they do want to get married still I mean I think scripture covers um, I can't recall where it might be but it might be under the old covenant how if you're going to marry you're going to you're taking that person on to take care of them for really for life and so if you're saying, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if I could do that. And that's what it sounds like that person's coming from that. Or you're saying, I don't want them to have half my stuff. Well, if you're really concerned about them having half your stuff, there's, you know, that's how this world has set it up. Half, you know, it cuts down in half. Because I think it's, probably pick that up from scripture, you know, maybe a thousand years ago, whatever, I don't know. But there's prenuptial. You can do a prenuptial and say, well, you'll get 10%, 20%, whatever. Something to take care of that individual. I mean, it, you know, if you're really that concerned and you're operating that kind of fear, which that's really what Eric said. That's really what it is. I mean, it's not in faith and fear, but if that's where you are, that's where you are, you know? And so you got to move forward. So, you know, I mean, you know, I think it was Peter. I, he, he was like, 
to the point when when basically when Jesus was telling him, and it was something similar to this, I believe, how you get to bury this, you know, this is how it is, you know. And Peter was like, well, it's, it's like better for you not even get married, Peter says, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you got it with the understanding, and the understanding I got from it is with the power of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible, so you can get married and sustain. I don't know if we can go to that passage of scripture, but I can't quite remember where it is. I'm sure, it's in one of the gospels, though. But you know, the Holy Spirit gives you power. I mean, with man, some things are impossible. With God, of course, we know all things are possible. Hmm. Okay. All right. Now, Julie is with us on Facebook. She added, she said, marriage should be founded in and out of love. Perfect love casts out fear. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because in Hebrews it says what? Um, without faith it is impossible to please God, to please him. So, and that is, I mean, and, and honestly, the, what we're talking about right now, these are, these, are, these are issues. These are things that people are dealing with, they're wrestling with. And it opens you up to receive these doctrines right. that Timothy is talking about, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because it makes logical sense. I mean, as a because honestly, if if you aren't a believer, does it really make sense for you to get married? As a man, does it make sense? Just looking at it logically, looking at you know. But again, now you, if you're a believer, you're a follower of Christ, then that means that whatever's going on in the culture, whatever the world is saying, it does not matter what's going on in the culture, what the what the philosophies of men are saying. We get our authority from what the scripture says. Right? So we looking at 1 Corinthians 7. Y'all don't have to turn there, but I'll read it. All right. In the New Living Translation, it says, Now regarding the questions you ask in your letter. Yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations, but because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. Verse 3, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Boy, you read this? <laughs> this is countercultural right here. It is. What in the world are y'all talking about? This is some Neanderthal <laughs> stuff here. What in the world? But this is right here. This is God's word. And the question is, does this have an expiration date? Because that's what we're dealing with. Because the response we get back is that, you know, that was back in his time. That was back in their day. But things are different now. How so? 
How so? Because the because Paul is explaining here in verse two, but because there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. So he's giving clear instruction. It's very basic, very clear. But based on the brokenness that we, we ourselves have experienced, our parents, our friends, those around us, the brokenness that, that has been experienced, it, it, it is a, it's been used as a tool for us to question this, to question the validity of, validity of what Paul is talking about here, this whole marriage thing. Because we gotta, we gotta remember, this is what, who, who set this up in the very beginning? God did. God did. Yeah, marriage was the other idea. It was the first institution mm -hmm. created. It's the genesis of the family unit. Right? And we see how metaphorically how Paul uses the, the, the imagery of marriage to illustrate the relationship between Christ and his body. Right? So obviously... From their perspective, if the enemy can get that image distorted, then there's a, a level of hindrance to the to the furthering of the gospel, right? Not to get you know too deep here, but this is what he's saying in Ephesians. Now, if I go back to first first Timothy four, and we look at that word forbidding. Forbidding to marry. In the Thayers, it says that word forbidding to means to hinder, to prevent, forbid, to withhold a thing from anyone, to deny or refuse one a thing. Now, I'll say this. I'm not going to say too much, but there's a denomination that promotes that if you're a priest in this denomination, you can't marry, right? Right. Now, isn't that diametrically opposed to what we're reading right here? Right. right? <clears throat> because remember, Paul is talking to a pastor, Timothy, his spiritual son. Timothy is a minister, right? And Peter had a wife, didn't he? He was apostle. So do, do it make sense for there ever to be a prohibition on marriage? Mm -hmm. If Peter was married himself? Well, they may, are they, I was asking a question, are they taking it from Paul? They said Paul never married. So are they taking that idea from Paul? To say, you know, hey, may he say everybody can't be like me. Mm -hmm. Well, even if if they are taking that idea from Paul, but he did, he did. Paul did speak on marriage. He said, "Hey, it's a good thing." Right, right. Mm -hmm. So this is why we have to embrace the ministry of reading. The ministry of reading, because I can take that verse, verse one, and isolate it, mm -hmm. 
and say where, because again, in verse one, it says, now regarding the questions you ask in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. Bam, stop it right there. If you just preach that by itself, I tell you what, you preach that by itself, you you had the emptiest church in the world. Can't nobody stand up on that. Oh my gosh. They walking on. They, yeah, they show sure enough. But uh, but if uh, honestly, right, if you just take you isolate that one verse, you can preach that. Right. You can you can hinder or just uh, discourage marriage. If you just take that one verse and ignore everything else he said after that, all you got to do is read one more verse. He said, but, and the King James says, nevertheless. In the Passion Translation, it says, perhaps. So there, there, there's a continuation there, right? So yes, Paul was single. Mm -hmm. right? And he gives, he gives the advantages that there are to the single life right but he talks about it excuse me he talks about it here that everybody ain't built like that celibacy is a gift because at the end of the day at the end of the day it's about whichever position keeps you from being a, a keep keeps you from being hindered in your walk with God Mm-hmm. Exactly. For some people, being single is a hindrance. But they're spending all their time just trying not to, you know. <laughs> trying not to burn. Right. Okay. But then you have other individuals who are, you know, they they have been given a gift of celibacy where a spouse is a hindrance to them. It will be a hindrance mm -hmm. for, to them from pursuing the things of God. Right. Right. Yeah. See, that's the balance. But you can only get that if you read the whole chapter. Right. You got to read the whole yeah. context. Yeah. And you know what? I think Jesus, he also talks about that. I think, some, I believe it's a parable when he's, and that's what I received from it, basically what you said, how some people, you know, have served that grace and some don't. You got to acknowledge Am I that person or am I not that person? And I think he talks about, you, you know, calling a eunuch. Some men are made eunuchs by other men. I hate to think about what that might be. But some become eunuchs and then some are have the grace to be a eunuch, you know. And, and that's how I kind of receive that being, you know, he's talking about that where that's, you know, you have the gift of celibacy. I never heard it put that way, but that's that's uh, even better terms, more understandable. Mm -hmm. And Paul was that kind of that guy, you know. Right. And see, and somebody who don't got the gift of celibacy can he understand it being packaged like that? Like there ain't right. no gift. I no, mean, but I know the, the person I was talking to, they, they're not believing from a from a, a common law perspective when I was talking to. Mm -hmm. My thing is if you love a person, they should know even when you don't. Okay. And 
because they want to believe it. So I was talking and I said, okay, so when you come together, you say you love somebody, and y'all start building this future together, okay, accumulating things and getting things together, having children, okay. I said, do you understand that? Because this person was married, but she she's teaching her daughters, hey, no, forget all that. You ain't got to do all that. Hey. But, and then I was like, okay, but aren't you? She always saying, okay, I'm going to get widow spouse at this certain age. Okay, so how you think you got that? You, you were getting, you're going to get widow spouse because your husband passed away by being married. Do you understand that your daughter's not going to get this? I said, also, what you think will happen is that one of those die, what do you think is going to happen? So when I die, okay, I ain't get married, so I'm going to leave all these, this person, all, all these bills, not taking care of them financially, but I said I love them. So I'm going to leave you with a bunch of Headache. Not only are you crying because I'm gone, but you're going to be crying because of all the stuff you got to deal with without me. And you don't have, I left you nothing because, you know, by law, once, once a person dies, if you're not married, all oh, that goes to the state in a lot of cases. Mm. So, you know, now, of course, you know, I know. The other way around, you can do a wheel and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know if a lot of people do that. Right. But if you're going to go through the trouble of doing the wheel. Right. Why you're not going to get married. Yeah, exactly. Because see, we, 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 we're, not, we're never going to be able to get beyond God's logic. Right. If we, mm-hmm. think, if we think truly logically, we cannot get beyond his logic. Right. Because his, his wisdom is beyond our natural wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, by leaps and bounds, obviously, because he's God. He set it up. But it's just like in the garden. You know, and all of us have to keep watching this is that the enemy will set up different types of alternatives and things that are less than God's best, but will present it like it, it is better than God's prescription. And he's been doing it ever since the beginning in, in the garden. That same thing. So I'm, I, when I first look at this, I mean, in verse three, forbidding to marry, I'm like, you know, it sounds all it sounds like, wow, why would anybody do that? I'm like, and why would you, you know, receive that? But if we pull the onion back, this doctrine is it is being promoted on different levels. Right? Mm-hmm. It is. It's just that now you have, of course, you like like I mentioned earlier, you have the dom- denomination that says to his ministers, you're not supposed to get married if you're a minister. All right. Then that, that that's a direct contradiction of this. Direct, okay. But how about if let's say you go to a ministry and they 
I'm going to get real controversial now. And they talk about empowering your, yourself as a individual. You should get a degree first. Go to college first. Get your master's first. Get your PhD first. Sow your wild oats. And then get married. If this is the type of things that are being promoted in your marriage conferences, I mean, not your marriage conference, in your singles conferences, in your youth ministries, what light is that putting on the the marriage covenant, like that part of your life? If you're intentionally waiting until you're 35, 40 years old to get married, intentionally. Somewhat presents is it presents marriage as burdens burdensome. You know, it's like, you know, and and you know, I grew up. We grew up. You, you know, you have all your fun now, and then you get married, and you know, but that kind of presents that once you marry, all the fun is over. Right. You know, um, like. You're doomed almost, you know. It's like, okay, you get married, settle down, and start creating a household and have children. But as if it's a chore list more so than fun and happiness and more happiness, and you know, so, um, yeah, I that, yeah, that's that's uh. That's that forbidden, you know, and somebody buying to that, and you never, I won't say you never, but it shouldn't be looked at upon like that. Like you said, this is God's program. He set it up a long time ago, and it's like either you buy into that program or you don't, <laughs> you know, because there's some um, negativity that can come into play. Um, and some consequences with that not following those, you know, that program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and to speak what Sage was talking about, we you know we call them phrases like ball and chain. chain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It takes it has a negative connotation to it. So you're like, well, oh, man, mm-hmm. that's what marriage all about. I got this ball and chain now, I gotta drag around. And so, you know, you just like you know, you dread and like, oh my goodness, what in the world? You know, so like he said, you they put these you know negative images in your head that yeah. marriage is just oh, it's all down here from there once you get married because you can't have no fun anymore. So, right. and she's she's exactly right that we we came up with these images or these the phrases to make people think that marriage is not you know happy, it's not joyful, but it's just okay. You know what? I'm gonna stay for you, you know, as long as I can. Until you screw up or you know whatever the case may be. Right. So, so. Right. So if I'm a 20-year-old and I'm hearing Eric talk about that, he talk about his old ball and chain. Mm-hmm. And then I look on Instagram and I see all all these all this stuff that's out here for free, unattached. 
Who do you think I'm gonna be drawn to? Ain't nobody trying to get married. Are you serious? If that's the picture, if that's the picture that's being painted, mm-hmm. let's see. And the yes. thing about it is, the culture for the culture to say that is one thing, right? Right. But what's missing is the the exaltation of the marriage covenant inside the church, inside the body. Like, I mean, really, if if they can, if people can't, if young folks can't get it nowhere else. They should be able to go inside, you know, the Lord's house and, you know, amongst his people and 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 hear about and see and see marriage being celebrated and it flourishing and to be something to enjoy. Right. Now is it hard? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Everybody that's been married, yeah, you know. You yeah, you know, that's where some of that a lot of gray hair come from. <laughs> but <laughs> The reality is, if uh, for a lot of us, if it wasn't for the marriage and those children, we wouldn't be the person, the people that we are today, right? Because that responsibility to someone else is it, it, it has helped to promote growth. Right. Because in in the type of security that you can have when you have devoted yourself to this one person, this person has devoted themselves to you and you can rest in that and be secure in that. The amount of peace that you can have is unparalleled than anything you could get out in the world because you can have a good time for a night. But after the night is over, you know, what what's left after that? Is this is there security there? Is there safety there? No. Mm-mm. And also, you know, the, the church, I don't know what I know in some depending on what denomination you came out of, there was that. When we talk about marriage, it was it was male dominance. You know, the, the man pretty much dominate the woman, and mm-hmm. so and so now women are like now the culture is like forget that I'm gonna be my own boss. You know, I can do what a man can do. You know, so I can make my own money sitting there. So I ain't no need to get married. You know, because hey, what 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 he can do for me, that I can't do for myself. And so, therefore, and and that that type of thought is birthed out of pain. Yeah. And so, therefore, you know, you got you know maybe some women out there that's like, hey, I don't want to do with it. You know, if you, you know, if you ain't making more than I am, then you know I ain't got nothing to do with you. You know, hey, I can now. Women are like, shoot, I don't need you to have a baby. All I got, you know, we got this thing, all the fish insemination. Hey, I can do that. Have my own kid. Raise my own kid. What I need you for? I'm gonna follow up on that. I want to read what um what Julie said. Julie said, "When it, when I in my personal testimony walked away from who I thought God was, I wasn't sure if I even wanted to get married any, anymore because the idea had been tainted so bad. Thank God He set me free of so many of those lies now. 
with that being said, I believe that that this is another example of how Satan has taken something so beautiful that God created and distorted it to taint God's character. Therefore, <clears throat> drawing people away from God. Yeah, that's good. You know. Yep. Very well said. I don't know if I'm going to talk anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to get censored on this. It's going to get pulled on YouTube. I say anything else. <laughs> but, you know, I could, because when you talk about doctrines of devils and seducing spirits, right? Just like Eric, I mean, not, yet, not Eric, but what Kevin was talking about earlier before we, we came on air, um, the enemy is not going to come at you in the red jumpsuit and the pitchfork like in the old cartoons right because everybody know okay that's an imagery of the, this you know that's a caricature of the devil right he's not going he's not going to be obvious like that that's not what true deception is true deception is the the illusion of a truth that's twisted Is why Paul, what he's saying here, if we really look at it, we can see how we can, you could just look at just the different things that you could read in magazines, the things you could see in movies, the things you see on the news, the, the, the conversations you hear in the wall of cooler, all of that, how it's manifesting itself in our time now. And the issue, and, and see, and, and Eric has said something about you know speaking out of your hurt and brokenness because you can be very sincere in your conviction about a thing but if you are aren't healed from your trauma or your brokenness what's going to happen is you're going to be ministering out of that trauma and hurt and there's going to be a mm -hmm. distortion attached to it and the world call that um, your truth. Or, I mean, that's how they title it. Mm -hmm. When you're speaking out of your truth. Mm -hmm. And you, like you said, based on that trauma that you experienced, that was true. Mm -hmm. What happened to you. But right. it's not the truth based on the word of God. Right. Which Christians, that's where we're supposed to get our truth from. Yeah. Yeah. And when you talked about male domination and how you can, because you could take the scriptures and make them say what you want them to say. Mm -hmm. That is so true. Yeah. Right. Now, how many brothers, you know, now don't raise your hand, but, you know, have used verse three when the spouse wouldn't give them none? <laughs> in, in in chapter in First Corinthians seven three, you pull that card, right? But now, is that what the scripture says? Now, look at look at verse three in the Living Trans New Living Translation. There's a there's an A and B clause on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Right? So it's two it's two sided, right? Right. Right? In verse four, the wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. That's two sided, right? There's no denom there's no domination there. Mm -hmm. That's fit that's, that's equality. It's yeah, it's, yeah. it's fifty fifty. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. But see, in what we and I and honestly, taking a look at what you're seeing in the culture now, it's almost like a you could call it an overcorrection or yeah. a trauma response. Where, mm -hmm. you know, now you have the whole women's empowerment thing right. where now obviously are women to be esteemed? Absolutely. But not to the to the degree you're diminishing the man now. Right. right? Where you have a, a emasculation of men and emasculation of women. Mm -hmm. But again, if you step back and look at the culture, just look at what's what you hear and what you see. You'll, you'll see all this stuff manifesting itself. So this part of verse three, there's there's a lot to it. And when we talk about the enemy, we talk about the work of, of, of demons. High, high level demonic work is not, you know, the person that's head spinning and they spitting out green stuff. It's the right. it's it's the conveying of ideas, the conveyance of philosophies, ways of thinking. Because what does the mm -hmm. scripture what does the scripture say about our thoughts? Mm -hmm. If a man thinking is hard, so. so is he, right? So if you can control a person's thinking, you can control their emotions and their behavior. So this is why we, you know, where Solomon tells us to guard our heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of mm -hmm. and, and And you know, when I look, you know, we started out in Timothy, First Timothy. This is Paul talking to Timothy. And I, I believe you said, Timothy, I know he's a church leader, but maybe a pastor. Uh, you know, these these are it's like the world is going to have its system and how it does things and how it conducts itself. And it's it's never really going to look like a church. So these are instructions to us. And. When it started in verse three, well, actually, it started in verse two on Timothy four two. Those are those to me; those lies and hypocrisies and conscience being seared like an hot iron and forbidding to marry and telling to abstain from meats. To me, all those things became present in the church. And Satan was able to put those ideas in the church. And so they were starting to be taught there, which we know that, you know, we've already kind of used a couple of examples and we're still kind of hanging around today. But yeah, so, so it's like the world. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, the example you use about the young brother coming to me and Eric, what do we say when he says this? I'm assuming that he's he's a Christian and but he didn't already let us know that he's weak in some areas because he's operating in fear. So I'm going to use wisdom, listen to the Holy Spirit. How do I minister to this brother where he is right now in his life? But here in verse, these things, have, to me, they've crept into the church and they have to be removed. Now, they can be removed from the church, but are they going to be removed from the world? Probably not, ever. But what you're saying is true. Like I said, I mean, and I think that's the thing that hurts me, I think, you know, that the church have adapted these, you know, teachings in the culture and says, okay, yeah, we ain't got to get married. And even though, you know, they know what the word of God says, it says, well, you know what? Hey, you know, I think we'll maybe, you know, some cases they need what God loves me. Yeah, but I think people got to understand that just because you love somebody doesn't make what you're doing okay. God is saying, wait, God, you can never change anything, do anything to change God's love for you. He's consistent with his love. But just because somebody loves you doesn't make, okay, the action that you're doing is okay. And I think, I think people have bought into that. Well, God loves me, so hey. That makes it okay. No, it doesn't make it okay. He's always going to love you. He's never going to change his love for you. But I, we've adapted these things. Okay, well, you know what? And it's some people, in some cases, will go to still go to church and still adapt these, you know, culture ideas the world put on us. And and, and we've they've been made to decide to say, okay, well, this is okay, and I'm going to continue to do it. You know, and you know, long as they're not experiencing any. We was, I would say, in the physical consequences from it, then we will continue in, in that behavior until, in some cases, some things happen, which is unfortunate. God doesn't want that. But like you said, that's it has gotten to the church in the church. And, and we see more and more how, in, in my opinion, that the church is adapting these cultures. And I guess, in some cases, just to fit in, you know, or we don't want to push the envelope. We don't want to speak as what the thing that we're teaching now, because it's not popular, you know. And, and culture is not going to push back on you when you, you know, begin to say, "Okay, well, this is what the word God says." Mm -hmm. That's right. It's not popular. Not popular. <clears throat> All right. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put Eric on the spot again. You got a um, couple, young Christian couple, both of them been saved since they were teenagers, maybe about 13, 14 years old. They're in their 20s. Both of them, let's say they're sophomores in college. Okay. You know, they're serious about their walk. But, you know, this, this relationship has developed. They've been together since, like, their junior year in high school. All right. And they come to you and say, Pastor Eric, um, I need to, you know, I'll be thinking about getting married. I know we we still young, but I mean, you know, I just it's been really heavy on my heart, and you know, and I'm trying to live holy, but it's getting rough. 
trying, you know, I'm not getting physical at this moment. And I know that, you know, I, I we've been together for a long time. What do you say to this young man? Okay, but, you know, I mean, I say, well, I understand your the physical attraction that you want, but I would ask, okay, but you, you got to ask yourself, why do you want to get married? Why do you want to get married? Because if that's the only reason, just so you don't, you know, have sex out of marriage, then that's not a reason to do that. You gotta ask yourself, why do I want to get married, and what do you expect to get out of it? Because that can't be your only motivation mm-hmm. for one to enter into the institution of marriage. So you know, okay. That's what I was like, okay, because you, you, it's got to be more than that. Okay. All right. He comes back and says, I hate you, you know, but I do really, I really love her. We've been together since, you know, we was in high school. You know, um, so what should I do? Well, I would say now you, if that's the case, you believe you y'all want to be together, then now you got to start to take steps toward that as far as getting some information about marriage, reading up on it, you know, what's your job as a husband, what's your job, you know, and, and begin to head toward that direction. But I'll say, hey, take you and her need to get some counseling. Mm-hmm. You know, get somebody to tell you what marriage is all about. And then once you've done that, then go ahead and do, you know, get married. But like I said, because even the Bible says, you know, you, you you shouldn't enter into this thing like right. You know, it should be some thought. Into this and said, okay, and let me understand what I'm getting myself into before I just jump into it and say, okay, you know, we want to hook up. So therefore... Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, we get into some real stuff today, right? Because this, this, you know, we talking about walking this thing out, right? But what if the brother says, okay, you know what? I love her, but I mean, don't do, don't the scripture say it's better to marry than to burn? And I, you know, brother, I'm burning, brother. I, I'm trying to tell you, man. I yeah, want to live man. holy, but it, that, that's what Paul said. I'm trying to be a doer of the word. And he says it's better to, bear, to marry than to burn. So, I yeah. mean, I got I got to make something happen here. That's, that's, not, that's not a good foundation to start a marriage on. All right. So then what if the brother says, well, I mean, how do I deal with this? I mean, do I just masturbate? No. I mean, you gotta have some. You know, I'm talking about self control. Okay. Okay. Where you, where, where the fruit at? Ah, get that fruit though. <laughs> and you, you gotta get in the word. I mean, hey, you know, get the business out of God. Help, ask the Lord to help you, con, you know, control, you know, that until you get married. Okay. If, if you, the Holy Spirit is in you, and you know. Then he'll give you the ability, the grace to do that until y'all do actually. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know this this is Bible study, right? 
right. I'm, I'm taking y'all into a counseling session. I'm sorry. But see, this is the type of stuff that people are wrestling with. Right. Right. And, and you know, and we got to we got to be able to say, look, this word has answers for us. It does. Now, what Eric was saying, I mean, a, a part of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. Absolutely. You know, it is. But Paul said what he said. It's better to marry than to burn. Mm -hmm. How do you interpret that? What does he mean? Get counseling, get married. I mean, counseling, counseling could represent six months of classes or counseling could represent going to your parents, her parents, and holy matrimony, <laughs> you know, all in a weekend, you know, I mean, we're talking all believers, it could, so it is better to marry than to burn, you know, in that case, and of course, the scenario he gave us is that they were both in love, you know, they were madly in love and been together for quite a while, so what are we waiting for? I know the world say finish school first, but you can work it out. There's ways to work that out. You can still go to school. You can, you know, you know, don't worry about that. You know, especially if you've counseled, sought godly counsel, your parents, her parents, mm-hmm. you know, anybody else. Who else you need? You, of course, you're talking to God because you're already a believer. Who else you need to talk to? You know, right? Go forward. There you go. There you go. Okay. There you go. And see, the thing about it is, it's like you seeking God, godly counsel on this. You know, the the answer for some in that situation is do exactly what Kevin just said. You know, but godly counsel for some, you know, by means of the Holy Spirit, may they might say, okay, well, y'all go ahead and finish school and then do it. Right. Right. The Holy Spirit might lead them a different way. Right. But the reality is you can't just go to that automatically in your carnality when you're counseling. Right. Because that might not be the best thing for that couple, for those individuals. Correct. Right. They might need to do something then. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, I mean, the scriptures say what it say. And, it, and the thing about it is, you know, it, if you don't have that grace on you to abstain, that that whole thing could just turn into a big distraction where your whole life is just consumed with not sinning. Right. And you're not glorifying God like that. And you can get to a point where you're frustrated to a point where you say, forget all this stuff. I'm going to just do me. And those, and those who came up in that legalistic environment can testify to that one. And I also think, you know, I mean, you know, when you when you trying to abstain away till you marry, I mean, you you have to be intentional. You, if you know that okay, certain environments is going to cause you to go that route. Okay, you gotta don't put yourself in that those environments. You know, don't mm-hmm. be by yourself in his or her apartment, lights off, and y'all watching a, a chick flick. Okay, you probably don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like no, because that's gonna you know, you know, put you in a situation where hey, y'all, you may go there, yeah. so you avoid putting yourself in situations where hey, you can be tempted to the point 
you know, of, of going and you know, having sex before marriage. So you got to mm-hmm. be intentional. It's like, okay, know yourself. It's like, okay, hey, yeah, you know what? We ain't doing that because I know me, and hey, <laughs> I ain't gonna make it till I get married. We go in that situation. <laughs> so therefore, you have to be intentional. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, if I'm gonna last, then I gotta be intentional about. There you go. Put myself in situations where I know I won't get tempted. You know. To go that route. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Let's see what you're talking about, right? You're talking about seeking godly counsel, looking to be led by the Spirit, but you're not forbidding marriage, Mm -hmm. right? This is something to be celebrated, not forbidden, not to be diminished or like looked down on. Right. Something to be celebrated. I think in some cases we, we put too much and this is an odd thing, not this. We put too much confidence in the flesh. Put too much confidence in us, you know, ability, you know, hey, instead of just saying, you know what, this is what I'm gonna have to do in order to make sure that I don't make this mistake. And mm-hmm. so instead of me saying, well, you know what, I can I can control myself. Mm-hmm. You can't. And then, you know, we have to be careful also not to try to mimic somebody else. Right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, this brother over here may, can, can watch the chick flick with his girl and he good. I may not be. Mm-hmm. So for me to try to do what they're doing you know, it might be a mistake, right? Because I may not have the strength, self-control to, to be in that environment like they are. And so you have to know, like you said, seek no spirit care. What's best for me and my future spouse to make sure that we don't make this mistake mm-hmm. and you no know, glorify you, yeah, you know, with our bodies, right? Right. And, you know, just going back to the whole thing about, you know, people seeking the career success prior, you know, above marriage and then putting that kind of on the back burner as some as a as a add on. See. The thing about it is. If, you know, you going through the years. Unless you're committed to celibacy through the, you know, from your 20 20s and 30s until you get married, you're going to be in some type of relationship, right? And seeing all those encounters, these hookups, breakups, that stuff has an effect on you, right? right? And if you're sowing your wild oats and you develop this body count, now you have all these experiences now. Right, good, bad, and indifferent that you're bringing to the table with your spouse when you're 35, 40, whatever years old. And these are things that can be hindrances in the marriage. Because you don't make money like Tyrone did, or you don't please me like Tyrone did in the bedroom, or you don't bring me flowers like Jermaine did. 
there's this temptation, even as a godly woman or godly man, there's going to be some temptation there to compare, right? So being able to present a good picture of, of what marriage is and that, that is not something to be scorned, but something to, to build a foundation on, right? You know, and like that, that whole example of the couple in their 20s, they in school, they, get, they, they go ahead and get married. Being able to understand that it's okay to, to struggle together. And when I say struggle together, I don't mean standing in, in on the median in Walmart, in front of Walmart, begging for change. But what I'm saying is, no understanding that, you know, when you're building a house, building a foundation, there's you're not gonna be, you're not gonna go from making fifty thousand a year to three bi- three million the next. Right. But who says that's 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 what's required in order for you to have a peaceful, healthy household. But again, if we allow the culture to dictate to us. What success looks like, what happiness is. Then we we are opening ourselves up to that seduction. Oh man, I ain't mean to spend all this time on forbidden to marry. We ain't even got to the, the abstaining from meats. But that's the that's another doctrine of devils. Commanding to abstain from meats, which God have created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. All right, so now going back to how do we balance that from the beginning versus this? Okay. So let's think about it. Okay. In the beginning, there was the trees, mm-hmm. right? For let's just go there. Let's go to Genesis 1. Genesis 1. And verse 29. All right, I'm going to read that in the King James and the Amplified. All right. Verse 29 says in the King James, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the, in the which is the fruit of, the, of a tree yielding seed. And to you it shall be for meat. And you look at the sub sub 
subtitle there, it says food, right? Now, if you read it in the New Living Translation, it says, and I've given every green plant as food for all the, oh, I'm sorry, verse 29 in the New Living says, then God said, look, I've given you every seed bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. All right. So if you're going to follow the Eden diet, all you can eat, seed bearing plant and all fruit trees and, you know, you can eat fruit. Right now. When you read verse 29, I'm not even going to go into into Noah for the sake of time. Into what God said to Noah, but just looking at verse 29 for what it is. Now, there's no prohibition here. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's a there's a directive. Okay. I've given you every seed bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. All right. So there's a there's a, a directive there. So obviously fruit, seed bearing trees, this these are things that Adam and Eve were were instructed to eat. Okay. Now, is it good hermeneutics, good interpretation for me to take that? And turn that into a prohibition against eating hamburgers and pork chops. Didn't say that. No, didn't say that. They just give it specific. All right. Now we can, you know, go through the go through the mosaic law, and and we can look at the clean and unclean foods, and, and these things, right? And, you know, how people have turned that into doctrines for today. But to keep it to keep it simple for the sake of time. The answer to all of it is in verse four. Right. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. Verse five, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now, when you hear that word sanctify, you look at it in Thayer's. It says to render or acknowledge or to be vulnerable or to hollow, to separate from profane things and dedicate to God. Consecrate things to God, dedicate people to God, to purify, to cleanse externally. So Paul is saying, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. All right. So if I go to Wendy's and eat a double stack. Is that exempt from being sanctified by the word of God in prayer? Because it's, it's all encompassing, right? 
Because if you read, go back to verse 4, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. He says nothing. And you remember the imagery that the dream that Peter had before he was sent to, 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 to visit Cornelius, the Gentile. All the unclean foods. He's saying shrimp and all that stuff. All right. The Lord said, take and eat. And then he said, no, Lord. And just think about what he said, no, Lord. That's an oxymoron right there. But he's you, you see what's being broken there. Right? The transition from the old covenant to the new, right? Those prohibitions that were there, unclean and clean, under the old covenant, they have passed away in a new covenant, right? So in reference to our position before God, whether you eat a pork chop, or salad. Your righteousness is based on what Christ did. And that's it. Now. Which one is better for you? The boy chop or the fat or the salad? Well. Now. For me. I say both. Give me the pork chop and the salad. Okay. But the thing about it is, you know, all of this, we, if we, if we look at what the scripture is telling us, just directly by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, then we can stay free from the error. But if we allow the doctrines of men to enter in the culture, culture's ideas, then that's when we're susceptible to get taken off course, right? Now, if somebody's a vegan and wants to be vegan and, and really is benefiting from their diet, praise God. That's cool. That's not, ain't no issue with that. But now if you preaching that as doctrine for holiness, that's when it transitions to be a problem. When when my righteousness is on the line because I eat shrimp, that's a problem. When you're exalting this di these dietary laws over the work of Christ on the cross, because the, at the end of the day, that's the only thing that has made us righteous is what he did. And that's it. Because when it comes to anything in our lives, the pork chop, the salad, the shrimp. Because honestly, you, that, that particular day, you may need that pork chop. Because of the physical demands that were placed on your body. And the demands that you're going to face the next day. You may need that protein that's in that pork chop. Mm -hmm. 
right? That you're not gonna get if you just ate that salad. Or the energy that you need. Mm-hmm. So or it could be the opposite. Right. You've eaten a whole bunch of stuff and you've been under a lot of stress, and you you know, you got your your, your arteries are starting to clog up, and you need some roughage to kind of cleanse yourself out. For you, that salad is gonna is gonna be what hits the spot. Mm-hmm. Right. So we definitely could spend more time on this, but I, you know, I wanted us to kind of go off script tonight. All right, and I think it was it was beneficial because it's something that these are things that you know we 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 talk about in our conversations with people, right? And just you know, how do we walk this thing out? And I know all of us have, have encountered these different doctrines and ideologies. So just being able to rightly divide what the scripture says is, is vital. Yeah. See, and I, I was saying so much that somebody tried to put some spam on our comment section and on Facebook. There's some porn sites. I'm like, oh, I'm doing something now. Yeah, we talk about some stuff now. They doing that stuff. I got that on same thing on that. <laughs> All right, social media family. We thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next week. Nice, see you later.